the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSync.com. I am your host, Artie Kulik, and with me here is the jolliest of fellows with his big, not-yet-white beard and always willing to let anybody sit on his lap, and that's the greatest other host, Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty? Hi, everybody. I'm not willing to let anybody sit <laughs> on my lap. That seems kind of creepy. No, I'm in a good mood because uh, four days after we're recording this, Michigan once again oh, beat Ohio man. State and beat them pretty big in Columbus. So yeah. go blue. It was, uh, I heard about the refs sucking. I heard about this. So somebody put out that in the fourth quarter of the last two Ohio State-Michigan games, Michigan has outrushed Ohio State. I think it was 449 yards to 24. It's something insane <laughs> because, yeah, Michigan just at that point, point they were so far ahead that all they had to do to run was run the ball but I guess Ohio State wasn't happy with just giving them a couple yards because Michigan's running back had a 75 yard run and then followed that up with an 85 yard mm-hmm. run and then at near the end of that game I heard Ohio State's coach Ryan Day was born on third and sitting on first well have you heard about his Wikipedia page too? oh yeah Somebody the third updated base. his birth, yeah. Yeah. His, birth <laughs> his birth place to third base so uh, but I no, mean, Michigan still got a big game against your wife's all. Oh yeah, Purdue. So, I, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah, everybody's. You never afraid. know what's gonna happen. Hey, <laughs> never you, know what'll happen. You know, I'm afraid of every game. Yeah, Michigan but got beat by Appalachian State years ago, so I'm afraid of every Michigan. Game. Yeah, but my wife will say this about Purdue: like they only win games that uh, no, nobody's really paying attention to. They're like, oh crap, they beat Ohio State in the middle of October. Once Purdue gets into a December game or a late November game. I mean, Indiana was hanging with them for a little bit, uh, but they beat them. Yeah. They did what they had to do. They they did what Iowa couldn't do. So. Yeah. Well, there there's our there's our Michigan <laughs> Purdue talk for the day. Yep. <laughs> no, we're we're not talking about football yet. It's it is essentially the end of the year. We have a few more podcasts. Uh, I'm very excited to go over some of the best of stuff because yeah, it's been a fairly incredible year in television. And that's for sure. I mean, I was actually just last night writing out my top five. Any of those could be number one. It's it is frighteningly a great year in television. But I wanted to start this off a couple of I mean, we've been doing this podcast years now. A couple of years back, we did what we thought the best Christmas specials ever were. Well, Mm -hmm. what I wanted to do, Ty, is I want to talk to you about what are the things we watch every year? Because I want to bring up stuff that is awful. And uh, but it's just comfort food. It's kind of watching it. And it came to this idea because Disney Plus has the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. It's I, I watched it and it's it's fine. It's good. It was years ago. They did the or maybe it was two years ago. They did the Lego Star Wars Christmas special. And I want to vaporize that thing into the sun as much as humanly possible. <laughs> Starting to turn into one of these weirdos who gets mad at all new Star Wars content. Uh, oh, <laughs> wait till you watch Andor. Because okay. that is the best Star Wars content. But I'm anyway. excited to watch it. No, but based uh, off of Rogue One, which is my yes, favorite Star yes, Wars movie yes, too. So yes, and it's, it's the same writers and a lot of the same people involved. So yes, cool. So I was a little hesitant because again, holiday specials, and we're going to talk about it here. They're a little saccharine, and they're a little. And this was no different. But it was good. It was enjoyable. I mean, it's James Gunn wrote and directed it. Uh, if I had, I'm um, who was it? Palm Clemeth and Dave Bautista. They're kind of the main Mantis and, okay. and Drax are kind of the main ones there. And they're great. I mean, Dave Bautista is like sneaky funny in that role. He's and awesome. So it was good. It was enjoyable. You know, I might watch it again. It's not going to necessarily be on my list. The only thing I really had against it, and it got leaked before it went out, but there's a big 
big like Marvel plot hole or plot device or something in it. I don't think you should have to watch a 45 minute Christmas special to understand the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. But whatever, that's the world we live in today. So exactly. Yeah. My review, it's worth your time. I just don't know if I'm going to watch it every year. Whereas the rest of these tie, I watch every damn year. Okay, I'm going to watch the Guardians of the Galaxy thing with uh, my son also because he's really into that stuff. So I got to wait for him to to watch it as well. Well, the thing that really triggered this is because I need to play this clip every Christmas because it's important. But the He-Man Shira Christmas special. Now, compared to some of these, I look, I grew up in the 1980s with these cartoons. He-Man was a little bit... After my time, I was still like I was in the Voltron. There's no Voltron Christmas special. Uh, Our brother Seth loves him. Yeah. Uh, G.I. Joe had a famous Christmas episode, but, you know, it's fun, but it's not like this He-Man Shira Christmas special. And for me to frame this up for everyone here, if you don't know who He-Man and Shira is, then that's on you. Pause the podcast, (laughs) go to Wikipedia, look it up. Google, yeah. Yeah. But this was, I mean, He-Man was very He-Man and Shira was very Shira. There is a... A guy in Shira named Bo, B-E-A-U, I think that's how you spell it. Mm-hmm. And he had a bow, B-O-W, an arrow, but he also would come up with love songs and things like that. And all the Shira dolls came with combs to comb the character's hair. So I don't know who this was for. Like, I don't know <laughs> if a bunch of little boys and little girls were sitting down to watch a joint adventure between He-Man and Shira. But it's it's awful. It's all over the place. It's it's uh, It predicates this idea that they're on some alternate world and one of their guys goes to earth and these two kids accidentally get kidnapped and they teach all the people in uh, Eternia He-Man's Planet about Christmas and everybody's like oh that's great but the reason to watch this the reason why if you're going to spend 45 because again this one's 45 minutes is for a two-minute magical scene now the idea of Christmas, and I'm going to go more into it in the end, is it's, it's goodwill towards man. It's peace on earth. It's a time of the year where it's darkest, but we feel like, oh, there's hope coming out. Mm. You even go back to pre-Christian stuff. They had a big feast because it was about to be dark for months, and they want to have a big party and stuff like that. Lights, all these other things. So of anyone to feel the need of the spirit is Skeletor, skeleton-based muscle man who is just always getting thwarted by He-Man and has stupid people. Well, he's kidnapped the children, and they have a little, like, robot dog with them, and he's going to go bring them to his main bad guy. And Ty, like I said, I just got to play this clip every year. Tell me more about this, uh, this Christmas. Well, it's a wonderful time of the year. Everyone has lots of fun. You mean they get in fights? No, no, they have fun. Fights are fun. I like fights. And you give each other presents. And when you open them, they explode, right? No, they're nice gifts. Nice? Doesn't sound like much fun to me. Oh, thank you, Mr. Skeletor. You saved us. You really are wonderful. Listen, I am not nice, I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. And I'm still delivering you to Horde Prime. Sure enough, Skeletor uh, doesn't deliver them to Horde Prime. And He-Man and She-Ra and Skeletor at the end when the kids get sent back home are like, Hey, Skeletor, you're a good guy. And they're like, yeah, this once a year Skeletor's a good guy. Where what they should have been doing is He-Man should have been punching the hell out of them. And burying him, but, you know, that's the Christmas spirit for you. Look, I do that because that's what Christmas does to me. 
Every sure. day that's yeah. not Christmas, I'm not nice. I'm not happy. I want to get in fights. I mean, that's just what I want to do. But Christmas, <laughs> well, I'm okay. <laughs> that's what I was going to say, too, when the kids are talking to him and his response is, like, fights? We're going to get in fights. Are, oh, you get presents that explode? <laughs> Why does his mind immediately go to stuff like that? And also that actor doing that had to think, this isn't good. Like, what I'm doing right now isn't good, isn't teaching anybody a lesson. Oh, but no. The, the voice of Skeletor is so synonymous and unique and 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 with that person so i love the fact that like fights like explode <laughs> that's that's phenomenal to me so you i am looking at your list and you have stuff that's worthwhile speaking of the guardians of the galaxy thing neither you or i have seen it we should check in with our mother but you have these legacy sequels we did a whole podcast about this mm-hmm. and look they've been good i don't get me yeah. wrong they've been these prey was great still probably my favorite movie of the year uh top gun maverick yeah, Blade Runner Blade 2049. So it seems weird to me we waited this long, but there's this Christmas story Christmas, uh, a <laughs> legacy sequel to to a Christmas story. And it's got all the I mean, the actors that are alive, they're they're yeah. all in it. They're there. But a Christmas story. So, yeah, you make sure every year you watch that. Why is it? Ty? I don't know that it's I make sure I watch it. So <laughs> we spend we spend Christmas as a family. You guys come in town. Our other brothers come in town. I, I live here, but, you know, we bring our kids. And this movie is on. I don't know if it's TNT or TBS or both or whatever, but it's on all day. They just run it over and over again. And I don't know that I'm speaking out of turn. It might be our mom's all time favorite movie or one of her all time favorite movies, but it's on all the time. And. First of all, first and foremost, I love the movie. I think it's fantastic. I've put my tongue on a pole and seen what's happened with that. I love the whole idea of writing an essay and people telling you you'll shoot your eye out and that when he gets the Red Rider BB gun, he shoots his eye out. But you mentioned this at the top. It's comfort food for me. When I see A Christmas Story is on, I think of being at our parents' house, all of us together. It might be the only time we all get together anymore because everybody's grown now but like I, I get to be with my brothers i get to be with my wife i get to be with my nieces and my nephews i get to be with my mom and dad and it's just it's comforting it makes me happy and a christmas story is i'll be curious to see how this legacy sequel is i like that they brought everybody back and everything i'll probably like it it might not be good but the original christmas story is such a good movie especially being a, a a boy who grew up into a man and seeing this boy wanting this one toy that you know you're not supposed to have, I could relate to that. I like the whole friendship stuff. I like the whole going to see Santa in a mall. It just reminds me of when I was a kid. He grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in the Midwest. Christmas Story, it, to me, it's the quintessential Christmas movie. It's the, one of the best movies about family. It's one of the best movies about Getting gifts, which, you know, as Bart says, it's not about getting gifts. It's about the birth of Santa. But mm-hmm. that I'll talk about that mm-hmm. later. But no, I just Christmas story to me is the ultimate comfort food when it comes to this holiday season of movies to watch. And I kid you not, people like our mom turns it on on Christmas Eve and it does not go off the TV until maybe December 26th. I think it was a year ago. We actually sat down, watched the beginning to end with my son. That's what I I think we find it while it's on TBS or TNT 24 hours and people can quote scenes from it and stuff like you watch that movie beginning to end. It's a damn good movie. It's great. (laughs) I mean, it is is a really, really good movie. And I think every year we bring this up, I talk about it. But Bob Clark, who directed it, and I think he was part writer on it, also did... um, did a horror Santa movie, Silent Night, Deadly Night, or Black Christmas mm-hmm. or something like that. Also did Porky's. 
So nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, definitely <laughs> well, quite a career. There's another movie that I didn't mention, but you know, we showed my kids Home Alone last year, and my son really liked that. But we also watched Christmas Story with him. I, you know, I feel like I should say that Home Alone is in this spot, but a Christmas Story to me just is so much more fulfilling than Home Alone. And I love Home Alone, but I've seen Christmas Story a dozen more times than I've seen Home Alone. Look, and I, you're right. Home Alone's a very, very good movie, but I don't watch it every year. Me neither. You know, that's the thing yeah. is I make a point to, and again, a lot of it is because it's on at our house, but I make it a point that if there's a scene on to sit down and watch it. And there's yeah. and the, I think it's a tired debate now, but the whole is Die Hard a Christmas movie type thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure, it is, but I, I don't sit there and watch it every year. It's, yeah. uh, whereas a Christmas story, I definitely do. Now, I think years ago we might have said this, and uh, I think it was either last year or the year before. The next movie you're going to talk about about i did not see until like a year or two ago. i can't believe it took you that long man so i have my thoughts on elf but what are your thoughts so you talk about you know saccharin are overly sweet and i think elf did that but they did it in the right way will ferrell as buddy the elf is perfect you know we've talked about gene hackman as royal tenenbaum or you know just all these actors who disappear into a role and will ferrell's done a ton of other stuff but to me when i look at will ferrell the first person i think of is buddy the elf and how much he likes christmas and how the holidays are so fun and the best thing is smiling he loves smiling and he likes sugar and there's a whole scene where he drinks a two liter diet coke and belches out loud and says to the kid did you hear that or whatever and it's not just him in that movie you have Bob Bob Newhart, Mary Steenburgen, James Caan, like they're, they're John Favreau, Zoe Deschanel. There's like a good cast of characters in that movie. And I believe Ed, Ad, Ed Asner plays mm-hmm. Santa Claus in that movie. Like the cast is great. John Favreau directed it, which is one of his first movies that he directed. It's sweet and it's goofy, but it's also funny and heartfelt. And there's great scenes. And, you know, the whole thing is about believing. And I still my daughter is seven. She still believes. And I love that she has that belief in her. And a movie like that, it's not only fulfilling and fun to watch for me. But my wife loves it and my kids adore it. My kids want to watch it every year. They ask us. That's the one movie that they say, hey, can we watch Elf? It's, you know, when December comes around, it's December. Christmas is going to be here in X amount of times. And we do celebrate Christmas in my house. It's I want to watch Elf. We want to watch Elf every year since, you know, my son was five. It's can we watch Elf? Can we watch Elf? It's it's a good, sweet family movie. It it reminds me of it's like the holiday version of Princess Bride. There's something for everybody. And it's a really well done, well written, well acted, well directed movie. Everybody has these, and maybe we'll do this one day. Like this empty space, uh, a movie that everybody's seen except you. And yeah. the problem is, as you get further away from it, and everybody's like, "Oh, you've never seen X Y Z." Well, you're an idiot. You should watch it. It kind of <laughs> makes you like, "Well, no, I'm not going to watch it." And yeah. it, it makes it so when you sit down to finally watch it, your expectations are sky high, and Elf delivered. I mean, mm-hmm. everything you said about it is right. But look, there's I'm not going to lie when I'm watching that Guardians of the Galaxy thing and the, a scene between um, what's his name? Chris Pratt, who I'm not the biggest fan of in real life. Star Lord. Uh, Kevin Bacon. It's yeah, was weirdly touchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, I mean, because that's, again, what the holidays do to you is that it, yep. uh, it turns your bony muscle headed heart into a 
into a happier person. So Skeletor becomes uh, a good guy yeah, on, yeah. On, on Christmas. <laughs> so, no, I can't, I cannot recommend Elf enough. And you talk about how it's one of Jan, John Favreau's first movies. It's one of Will Ferrell's first movies. First, like, starring roles. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was in, like, Night at the Roxbury, I think, which, uh, yeah. again, that's an empty hole in my movie watching I've never seen. It's- it's not a good movie. I wouldn't <laughs> recommend watching it. It's not very good. You can't take a sketch like that and turn it into a movie. So, Ty, I want to end this first half on the classic of the Christmas stories. And no, not the weirdo baby in a manger and no no room at the inpatient facility or stuff like that. <laughs> it's A Christmas Carol. Now, mm. every year I read the story. It takes me. I, I read it. Over the course of a few days, there's four parts to the story. I think it's still an incredible story. It's mm-hmm. still this idea of the, the holidays, not just making you better, but making you remember, making you go back and remember when things were better to catapult you forward. It's about just being good to other people. I don't even I don't think Jesus is mentioned or is barely mentioned in a Christmas story whatsoever so it's just christmas carol or christmas carol sorry yeah it's (laughs) i don't think jesus has mentioned the christmas story either but uh, no i don't think so either and and it's weird i'm going to end this on a very jesus-y thing but uh for the most part though a christmas carol has been i there's the simpsons with uh which one is it the it's oh it's uh it's like tis the 13th season where homer's watching the mr magoo christmas carol (laughs) then they have the star (laughs) trek it's so it's been adapted so many times and like i always make sure to sit down and watch it's always sunny christmas it's uh, Mm -hmm. incredibly i mean in a show that has almost no weak episodes it is definitely a top 10 episode of that show for sure and and it's not part of the regular television schedule it was made as kind of its own one-off thing and even at the end of that spoiler people they just get joy in throwing rocks at trains (laughs) yep (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) because that i mean again it's weirdly touching but you see them all throwing Mm. rocks at trains and it fades to charlie and mac as kids doing it Mm -hmm. because that's what they did at christmas because philadelphia is a crappy crappy town yep i do want to bring up because i quickly went through this last night there was, I, I know I may have talked about this before, but there is a, uh, I, I don't know if it was made for TV, DVD, whatever, for some stupid Christian channel, but there was a movie called Mr. Scrooge to See You, which is like a sequel to A Christmas Carol, but it starts off with Scrooge all happy and then it, it, terrible effects. The thing was shot sure. like on a, on a Windows phone in 2008 yep. or something like that, not even an iPhone, acting absolutely atrocious in every way possible. It, it seems like some local Wisconsin theater troupe did it because it does nice. take place in Wisconsin, which I'll get to. The guy that plays Scrooge from St. Louis, Missouri, he was the host of Supermarket Sweep in like the 1980s. Uh, um, it's not John Hamm? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and it's... But here's the thing. I kind of quickly went through it last night's an hour and a half long. I probably spent 40 minutes because I was looking for a clip to play and it's awful. But you know sure. what? I'm going to give it credit for because I'm in the Christmas spirit. It's a good plot. It's a good idea. And the idea is Scrooge gets transported to the future. So he's in London, England, and he gets transported to New Britain, Wisconsin on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And it has the whole stranger in the strange land. Like he's like, you have tea in bags and. You see him squeezing ketchup bottles like, oh, my God. But the whole idea is that his uh, his partner, Cratchit, Bob Cratchit, 
he took over the business and his great 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 grandson like sixth or seventh generation runs a business and he's a miserly terrible man who's going around buying up properties to build condos it's actually a pretty good plot it's just awful <laughs> acting awful writing but and you're going to miss the point. This time, Scrooge isn't there to learn a lesson. He's there to learn about the everlasting love of Jesus Christ and to bring it to <laughs> this Bob Cratchit the eighth or whatever. This sounds like that I think you should leave sketch where Sam Richardson <laughs> yeah. is playing a robot and he has to get Santa to go murder all these people <laughs> before Christmas comes. And that was a joke on probably... The current greatest sketch show on yes, TV, right? Yes. Now. Oh no, no. This is there's a whole scene where there's a homeless dude, but you find out he's a pastor, and Scrooge is like, "Well, why do you do this?" And he's like, "Well, Ebenezer, there's this little man named Jesus, and you got to bring Jesus into your heart." And I despise stuff like this. <laughs> and at the end, too, because he's back in the past. At the end, he's like, he sends a like gold and stuff for them to find in the future and there's a note in there and he's like and remember he's got tiny tim's crutch he's like you always have jesus christ as your crutch but uh, i'm gonna tell you the best uh, though is this movie this this sounds dreadful oh it's it's so (laughs) bad but they at the very end though the bob cratchit the eighth gets transported back in the past and he and Scrooge are like, oh, what's going on? And then you see the ghost of Jacob Marley go, the end? <laughs> <laughs> so these idiots thought they were making another one of these yeah. movies. <laughs> are, are you sure Tim Robinson didn't write oh this movie? Oh, my it's a God. Joke. It is. Like I said, I was looking for a clip and I just it's so bad. I mean, it sounds pretty terrible. It's 30 minutes is, is 30 seconds is 30 minutes of this movie. And yeah, I, before I give it over to you, I do have to say a couple of years ago, FX it was produced by Ridley Scott. I don't know if he, I don't think he directed it. And Guy Pierce plays Scrooge, but they had this oh, huge, yeah. like three hour thing. Okay. This thing starts off with some kid walking up to Jacob Marley's grave and urinating on it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a NSFW, as people yes, would say. It's yeah. not safe for work. It's not bad. And I give these people all credit for trying something different. But like I said, it's not bad, but it's like, uh, but what's definitely not bad now, Ty, I remember going to the movie theater the oh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. The yes. Yeah. The Wednesday <laughs> before Thanksgiving to see, I think Richard Donner directed this Scrooge mm. with Bill Murray. So why is it must, must watch every year? So for me, as I've gotten older, where I love Christmas story and I love Elf, Elf because they're so sweet and nice. I've grown to like, and I understand Bill Murray has problematic stuff, mm-hmm. whatever. I, I enjoy his his acting. This is a another topic we need to do separating the art from the artist type thing. But Scrooge for me, as I've gotten older, it's that cynical side of me. And to me, there's nobody who plays a cynical person better than Bill Murray. And to see him embody this role and the the way the the route they took with the story, the way they told the story, the people they got to play the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future, it's so good. And the movie's dingy, the movie's dark. There's dark elements in this movie. There's sad stuff. There's funny stuff. But to see Bill Murray transform into this happy person at the end it's not like it's not like the traditional christmas story transformation where it's you sir what time is our what day is the day it's christmas day go give me a goose like bill murray's handing out and then spoiler for you haven't seen this he's handing out like promotions and stuff at the end of the movie but it's not 
the saccharine sweet thing that you you mentioned before. This is the cynical take on this story. This is the cynical view of this is what would have happened. Like when they go to Christmas uh, future and he's there. I can now remember the lady who plays his girlfriend and she's from Animal Car- House. Karen Allen. Karen Allen. And he sees the stuff in the future. He's like, oh, you know, good for her. She moved on and had this good life. Like you can tell he's sad, but it's not like, oh, I need to go change the past. I need to go do stuff better, do stuff over again. I don't know. And like you get you get dude from um, some punk rock group in the 80s playing the Ghost of Christmas uh, future, I believe. Uh, yeah. God, what was his name? I can't he even was remember. He with the New York the Dolls. David Poindexter. <laughs> the New York Dolls. Yeah. And like he's <clears throat> Buster Poindexter. He's playing the Ghost of Christmas uh, future, I believe. And he's a taxi driver. And you get the lady from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, who's Kimmy Schmidt's next door neighbor. She's the Ghost of Christmas Carol present. Or so. Carol, like this. Mm-hmm. See, you remember all their names. Oh, yeah. You saw them in theaters. But <laughs> it's like I, I watched this movie. I remember two years ago. So at the beginning of this pandemic for all intents and purposes my wife and i were like and we did we all met up that year and we went out uh we went to branson but we all quarantined and everything and while we were in quarantine and we're not going out we would wrap presents and every time it was my turn to pick a movie i picked scrooge we must have watched it three weeks in a row because i think now that i'm going to be 40 in a couple of weeks scrooge speaks to me more than like elf speaks to me and my kids a christmas story speaks to our mom and us Scrooge for me is like the movie that speaks to me now. I love this movie. It's probably my favorite Christmas movie of all time at this point. And it is necessary viewing this time of year, every year for me from now on. I mean, most people are going to probably, they're going to probably know this if they're my age. But yeah, Bill Murray, Karen Allen, John Forsyth was in this, Bobcat Goldwith, David Johansson. But that's uh, that's That's Buster Poindexter. Yeah. Yeah. Carol Kane, Robert Mitchum, Alfrey Woodward. Mm-hmm. He plays his assistant, Robert Goulet, yeah. Buddy Hackett, John Hausman, Lee Majors. I mean, these were big actors. Okay. Yeah. Th- this was a, a murderer's row of actors in this mm-hmm. movie. And yeah, Richard Donner directed it. It's a. Uh, it, it, it's great. It is, I think, I the it. best version of that story. I mean, and I agree. a lot of it may be just that, look, I watched the Alistair Sim one all the time. I watched the cartoon short that won the Oscar in like the 70s. This is the best one. I, I agree. It's Bill Murray at his height, too. This is, you know, Caddyshack was a few years before and uh, Groundhog Day is either right around the corner or a year or two before. So this is Bill Murray at his absolute height as well. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels and Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of this state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week and 
It's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on high heels in politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. All right, Ty, I'm going to start this one off with an absolute banger. But before I do that, I meant to mention this in the first half. You're talking about Bill Murray and how he plays that curmudgeon role really well. Every year I watch this very Murray Christmas. It was a Netflix special from a few years back, and I adore it. I love it. It's directed by Sofia Coppola. So, you know, if you speed it up, it's the speed of a normal movie. But um No, it's, I mean, the music I think is great in it. David Johansson's in it. There's a banner of a Beach Boys song as sung by the band Phoenix. So, you know, you know how I feel about the Beach Boys (laughs) and about Phoenix because we talked about that often. French rock and roll. But, uh, I mean, I do like Daft Punk. Yeah. It's very, um, very Murray Christmas is very, it's very kind of hipsterish. Okay. I'm not going to lie about that, but every year I sit and watch it. Just the, the five minutes with him and Chris Rock is like great. Where sure. Chris I'm Rock's sure. like, if you're Bill Murray, you're great. And he's like, Bill Murray's like, we're good friends. He's like, I don't know you. <laughs> so I, that, see, that's one of my things where you, it's, it's been on my list on Netflix and I still haven't watched it. Yeah. It's again, it's less than an hour. I mean, and look, yeah. I appreciate the hell out of these things that Christmas Carol three hours long. That's too much, but talking yeah. about way too much. So this is getting harder to find because Disney is, is worse than George Lucas. This is a year after the first star Wars movie came out. This is years before, um, before empire strikes back came out and star wars was look we would have to ask our parents about this i don't really remember this but it was like a seismic shift in movie going i mean there's a great that 70s show where red is at the movies and he's like you know why why is eric so into this stuff and you hear the fanfare and you just see him look back and go whoa so yeah yeah they want to cash in and again this is all the original people it's uh i mean george lucas gave his blessing for it all the actors came back mark hamill harrison ford carrie fisher peter mayhew james earl jones i mean this was an original piece of Star Wars. this thing came out today it's the only goddamn thing we would be talking about right now <laughs> for sure and yeah. i mean and they also they brought in b arthur art carney let's see uh Stefferson, jefferson starship harvey corman <laughs> diane carroll or yeah diane carroll i want to make sure i get that right i mean at the time late 70s this was a big deal and the version i watched was taped off of a television station in dayton ohio and at the very <laughs> beginning they're like wonder woman and the incredible hulk won't be seen tonight for this very special presentation <laughs> And I know I've talked about this before, but there's only one way to truly get to understand. So it starts off the fanfare a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away. You see Chewbacca and Han in the in the uh, Millennium Falcon. Han's like, I'm going to get you back for life day, buddy. And you're like, oh, and the the Empire's coming after him. And then Ty, and I'm not kidding because I look this up. The next 12 minutes sound like this. Twelve Wait, minutes. There's 12, 12 minutes of Wookiee talking, <laughs> just and no subtitles. Just a bunch of people in Wookiee costume going. Mm, mm, mm. There's no subtitles. I've never seen this Christmas special. 
It's it's terrible. So there's no subtitles. No. And look, that's the first 12 minutes. So you think finally uh, it's going to get better? Look, I think B. Arthur's a national treasure. Harvey Corman is absolutely great. There's one point where Diane Carroll, they have some virtual reality that Chewbacca's dad watches. And it's porn. I mean, it, it is porn. <laughs> it's her trying to turn him on. And wow. the, uh, B. Arthur sings some stupid song in the in the cantina. And I'm not going to play this. You people can look it up. But the end of it, rest in peace, Carrie Fisher and National F and Treasure. Supposedly, I think the rumor was Harvey Weinstein, but a big Hollywood producer in the 90s sexually assaulted a friend of hers. And so she bought a cow tongue, put it in a Tiffany's box, sent it to him and said, if I ever hear about this again, it's going to be something from you in this box. And this box is going to be much smaller. Awesome. (laughs) I mean, so but (laughs) Carrie Fisher was so coked out of her mind or drunk or whatever in this special. You could tell. And she sings to the Star Wars theme. She sings this song about Life Day, and it is dreadful. I mean, what is Life Day? It's, it's some Wookiee holiday that's supposed to be like Christmas, I guess. But okay. it is dreadful. It is an hour and a half of pure and utter torture. Yet every year I find myself watching bits and pieces of it to just remind myself that this thing exists. And look, I've made my feelings very clear about Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) Too clear. (laughs) (laughs) But this is just bad. And I mean bad. Now, in the middle, there's this cartoon. That's the first introduction of Boba Fett. There's a lot of stuff even in The Mandalorian they've taken from this cartoon. The cartoon's great. And you can go watch that cartoon on Disney Plus right now. But you can only find this Dayton, Ohio recording 40 years ago. 40 plus years ago on yeah. YouTube if you ever really want to watch this thing. I've always been curious about it because I've heard so much about it, but after you playing 15 seconds of that clip of Wookiees <laughs> talking, I don't think I could handle 12 minutes of that. Oh, 15 seconds was enough. It's just so terrible. So They're called Wookiees, right? Isn't that, yes, am I yes, saying that yes, right? Okay. That right. <laughs> so, television. Uh, you know, every year, watch the say by the bell where zach gets a homeless girl i mean it's just part of my thing <laughs> the dad passes out shaving because he hasn't eaten in a couple of days. <laughs> you know, i mentioned the gi joe episode i watch that every year there's the mash episode i've brought up where it's such a heartbreaking thing but again it tells you about christmas about them trying to operate on the guy who's just not going to live and so they're trying to keep him alive to christmas or till christmas <sighs> is over because they don't want his kids to remember Christmas being the day that their dad died. I mean, there's a lot of television that's out there worth watching, but there's certain modern shows that have taken the holiday. You know, you talked about how there's not a lot of great Thanksgiving content. You wrote about that, and you're right. Mm. There's that one WKRP episode. But when you look at The Office and you look at The Simpsons, I Mm. mean... They've made seasons worth a great Christmas episode. So give me easily. Give me a few here. Yeah. So with The Office, I mean, you can go back to the original Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, the English Office, the original one. And their final episode was a Christmas episode. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. The U.S. office, when they took over, they seemed to hit it out of the park every year with Christmas. Like the first one I remember was I remember was in season two when they did White Elephant. Mm-hmm. And that was just phenomenal. With the, the iPod. The iPod and Michael giving it to Ryan and leaving the price tag on it and everything. It And like Phyllis makes Michael oven mitts that she knitted, which is like such a sweet gift. And he's such a child that he acts like a child. And that's what starts the whole White Elephant deal with it. And that's I mean, you always knew about Jim and Pam's stuff, but that's where it becomes even more prevalent. 
And even in later seasons, they did stuff like Moroccan Christmas, which was great. Pam was pregnant. They had Christmas parties, which was great. My personal favorite, I think it was in season three, is a Benihana Christmas where Michael's dating Carol. They break up because he's bought her these tickets to Jamaica, all-inclusive trip to Jamaica. And she's like, you can't do that. I celebrate Christmas with my kids, Bob. They break up. And... Michael's devastated. Throughout the whole episode, he's asking random people to go on this Jamaican vacation with him. And he's just bummed out because everybody keeps saying no. And there's other storylines in it. Jim is with Karen at this point, but he's still pining after Pam. And, you know, he tells Karen he still has feelings for her. Stuff like that happens throughout it. But what I think I like most about this is the whole scene in Benihana where Jim's messing with Dwight across the table. It's funny. Michael is getting drunker and drunker as the day going on drinking. Um... Nagasaki's, I believe is what they call it, which is, I don't drink, so I don't know. It sounds gross to me, but eggnog and sake yeah, doesn't that's terrible. sound fair. <laughs> well, because like eggnog is this custardy, milky drink, and sake, I believe, is supposed to be served warm. Yeah. So like, and then I've never been to a Benihana, but I've been to places like that. I can't imagine their sake is top of the line type sake there. But no, he's getting drunker and drunker as the day goes on. And they end up, they're having a Christmas party at the office. And Michael and Andy bring home two waitresses. They bring them, bring them to the office to this Christmas party. And like Michael gives one of the waitresses, who's played by Kula Vilaisak, people who listen to Comedy Bang Bang know who that is. He brings her back and gives her the bike that he's supposed to be giving to Toys for Tots. And like they sing karaoke at this, and it's just this whole. It, it perfectly encapsulates what what makes the office best because it's just cringy and it's grimy and it's gross and it's not the sweet saccharine thing that you look for in Christmas. And even so, so much shows when you get to the end, when Michael and Jim are sitting down and talking and Jim's talking about how you had a rebound and, you know, he says something along the lines of you're with somebody now because you can't be with the person that you want to be with. And the way this whole episode ends is Michael ends up going to Jamaica with Jan. Mm -hmm. And that's just the start of their toxic mm -hmm. relationship. So uh, to me, the Benny Hanna one, does the office and does the office Christmas episodes, the absolute best. It's the one I will pick first. If my wife's like, okay, we're going to watch the office with Christmas episode. You want to watch? I pick Benny Hanna Christmas. It's my personal favorite. And I think it's one of the best episodes of the office. The office was always good at showing what life in a medium city is like. And it is, it's mm -hmm. Benny Hanna. It's Applebee's <laughs> or Chili's or whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's that kind of stuff. But The Simpsons, I mean, The Simpsons started with a Christmas yep. episode. That's I, how they I, got Santa's little help. Yeah. I mean, th that's where it is. And they don't do one every year because I'll find myself looking for a specific episode. And thank God my son knows all seasons and numbers. <laughs> but even so, the, I, again, I've talked about this. The one, the um, Christmases of Future Past or something like mm -hmm. that. The one where Bart still lives in the school and Maggie's yep. going to have the baby. The inpatient. She's a rock star. Yeah, right. yeah. That was written as the last Simpsons episode ever. And it makes yep. sense if you watch it in that way. So it was supposed to end on a Christmas episode. But man, there's just a murderer's row. So give me so give me many. your thoughts on the best one. So yeah, there's, you know, as we sit here and we think about it, there's so many that come to mind. You mentioned the pilot episode is is a Christmas one. There's um the one where they all get snowed into the school and Skinner makes them watch that <laughs> that movie where you can see the stage. <laughs> yeah. The Christmas that always was or almost was, but wasn't or almost wasn't, but was. Yeah. Something. Yeah. And one, like the girls singing the song and they cut to Nelson. He's like, she's been singing for half an hour. You know? <laughs> that's one of my favorite ones because that, that's, you know, Chip, he tells the gerbil to chew through his ball sack <laughs> and the gerbil looks at him all goofily and all funny. But like you mentioned the Mr. McGrew one. That's a great one where, you know, Homer's freaking out that he's going to live that life. They have the one where Homer buys himself the clock radio. 
or whatever her yep, name. Yeah, know, the like, Astrolabe. Yeah, <laughs> it's Barbara Mandrell's birthday. And it's birth of our that was the one. Birthday. The one with yeah, all the the Mister McGrew and all that stuff. That was that one. <laughs> okay, so yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just lumping them all together because yeah. they're all so great. But no, uh, the one I go to every year. And again, I need your son or I need my son to tell me what season, what episode it is. But it's the episode with the Funzos, mm-hmm. where the school gets taken over by a marketing team and they're trying to come up with a toy, to, you know, to compete with everything. I believe Tim Robbins plays the voice of the male yeah. worker with Lindsay Nagel. Yeah. And like everybody's freaking out about these Funzos and Lindsay Nagel and Tim Robbins are sitting in a hot tub watching on a screen and they see people trampling and they're all excited about that. What gets me about this episode, what makes me love this episode so much and may he rest in peace is Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman is a security guard, but he's totally in that. He's sitting there when Lisa and Bart are trying to figure out what's going on. And he's acting like he's having a conversation with the president. And he says something to a a Chinese restaurant where three prawns is hardly a galaxy. (laughs) And Bart says, I want to see where this is going. And Lisa reveals that the phone isn't plugged in. (laughs) So Gary Coleman's just talking to nobody. And then they get in, Lindsay Nagel's all upset, and she walks out to Gary Coleman, and she's like, you know, you fired Gary Coleman. He says, what you talking about, Miss Nagel? And she goes, that's adorable. You're rehired. And he says, I knew exactly what she was talking about. (laughs) But it's not just that, because... Homer's stealing all the Funzos. He's singing a song. The kids are caroling. He's got to, they have to sing even louder because Homer's being clumsy and doing stuff. But they end up taking all the Funzos. While they're driving to take the Funzos to the tire fire, Homer is sitting there counting all the Christmas he's saved and the Christmas he's ruined. And Lisa's like, Dad, you need to drive on the road. Oh, so he pulls the car back over. But no, as after they're burning the Funzos, Bart, Homer, and Lisa are sitting down talking, and Gary Coleman shows up, and the Funzo's about to attack them, and Gary Coleman does all these karate moves on it, <laughs> knocks it down, and then they're sitting there chatting through the night, and somebody who sounds like James Earl Jones is like, you know, they've had this long conversation that it's Christmas morning. Homer invites him to the house, and Gary Coleman's like, I'm going to George Clooney's for Christmas. <laughs> Lisa says, Gary. So he shows up there. And they have like this Christmas Carol type wrap up. Mo ends up bringing a goose to the house and he's like, oh, I brought this goose. And who's every yellow Jeep that was out there, I kind of dinged up a little bit. And Gary Coleman again says, what you talking about, Mo? Then turns to camera and says, what you talking about, everybody? And the okay. episode hold on, right hold here. on. You got to hear this, OK? So Mo's just said, I banged up that Jeep. <laughs> what you talking about, everyone? <laughs> it's... Great, because it makes absolutely no sense. And I wouldn't know it's a Christmas episode unless Homer is dressed like Santa and talking about the Christmases he's ruined or whatever. But the addition of of Gary Coleman, Tim Robbins, not playing a famous person, barely has any lines in this episode. It's more a Gary Coleman, Lindsay Nagel, and Bart and Lisa-led episode. But I think about this one every year. I watch this episode every year. It's one of my all-time favorite episodes of The Simpsons. No, it's outstanding. So... Two things about Christmas is that I, I'm always big into. Uh, and one is The Grinch. You know, it's a story I read every year. It's something I watch. I never cared that much for the Jim Carrey, Ron Howard one. I know people, it, it's getting a little bit more of love years later. I never did watch the other new one where Benedict Cumberbatch does it. But, yep. you know, it's another story that's been done a lot of times. Well, Ty, I'm going to play you a preview for a movie coming out here. It looks extremely low budget. I did not recognize anybody in this movie, but I need you to listen to this. Remember that story about Cindy you-know-who? When her Christmas was stolen, she knew what to do. Why, Santa Claus? Why? But what if I said that's not how it went down? Monster! 
be okay? Because we can turn around right now. No. That poor girl. Her mother was killed. Her mind snapped. Did you ever find the Christmas killer? I never got a reliable description of the man. this beast. I got a few thoughts about that trailer. That the, the movie's called The Mean One. It, uh-huh. it looks like it's real. Like, I don't know if this movie, yeah. I mean, people can correct me, but it comes out this December. During the course of it, like during some of the music, there's a montage of her like working out and shooting guns. And mm. just basically the Grinch is a big murdering monster. And Cindy Lou, yeah. who is going to come back and kill. <laughs> so is this, I wonder if you've heard about it, because have you heard about this new Winnie the Pooh movie that's coming yes. out? Yes, yes. And they're, apparently they're doing a bambi one like that did the grinch like just become public domain and people can do whatever they want to do now it must absolutely now this uh this trailer goes out of the way to never say grinch i was gonna say because they didn't say that they kept mm. calling it the mean one or the christmas killer or the mean one is what they kept yeah. saying and people i implore you i'm not gonna watch the movies but go check out that preview for the winnie the pooh one yeah because it is terrifying and apparently they're doing a bambi one like that but <laughs> we talked about all these like saccharine sweet and like cynical looks at Christmas. This is this is a bridge too far. I don't <laughs> I don't want to see a thing where like the Grinch, I've always liked the stories that I've seen because it's a good story to tell. I don't want to see the Grinch as some murderous monster. Like that just that doesn't appeal to me personally. That's not for me. Again, I stumbled upon this yesterday. I was just kind of yeah, going through I, and, and look. So obviously this is way, way, way under the radar. No, there's also that, uh, what's his name? The guy from Stranger Things is doing that. Oh, yeah, uh, David, Violent Night. Yeah. We saw a preview for that when we were watching TV with my daughter, and I said, don't worry, that's not the real Santa Claus. Because <laughs> she looked horrified. Absolutely horrified. And like I brought up, there's Silent Night, Deadly Night. I think there's a sequel. There's stuff. That, there's something to be mined from all of this. But again, sure. you watch that trailer, and look, it's a very well done. I, I love the way they use the language in it. When she's like, I'm going to go roast this beast and the yeah. people back to the whole mr scrooge will see you the concept seems valid but i've never heard of any of these actors i've never seen no. any of these actors the production looks so crappy <laughs> I mean, <it> <laughs> sure so even take like the the um the guy pierce christmas carol it was yeah. high production it's ridley scott it's some real people andy circus is in it you know all this other stuff it's got real people in it this is yeah you know whatever well and there's there's an audience for everything i've never seen a trauma movie but i know people who love trauma movies so there's an audience for everybody out there even in my thanksgiving piece i mentioned a movie called thanks killing as yeah. a joke thanksgiving thing to watch but that movie knows it's a joke hopefully this 
if this Grinch movie is real or that Winnie the Pooh movie that I know is real, hopefully they understand the joke behind all of it. So, Ty, this is what it comes down to for me, all right? And it's something I've struggled with for many, many years with my anti-Christian beliefs and agnostic way of life and all this stuff. But every year I find myself going back to the well, and every single year I find myself, and this is way out of the ex-millennial band because this thing came out 10 years before I was even born, but Mm -hmm. the Charlie Brown Christmas Maybe part of it is spending the first few years of my life in Minnesota. I just get tied to stuff that takes place in Minnesota. There's obviously iconic scenes in it and great stuff in it. And I get I get this feeling, though, that if it's a dark night, if everybody's decided to go to bed, if I've had a crappy day or something like that, and I think about the seasons, it is the one thing that can automatically put me into the mood. And you're talking about 22 minutes mm-hmm. of these kids it's slow it's not very fast it's mostly jazz music which i can't stand it doesn't move very far it goes through all the basic beats of commercialism and you know everybody having fun and kids doing what they're doing and you know the the christmas tree all all this stuff it's all familiar but at the very end when charlie brown is like he's upset he's frustrated everybody's dogging him because he's charlie brown and he says, what's Christmas about? And Linus gives us a little speech. I'm going to play it, Ty, and then I want to talk about it. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. And saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. So before I get your thoughts, there was, uh, do you remember in Saturday Night Live when they used to do the TV Fun House and they used to have that fun with audio? Yep. And they, they've been showing this lately because it was Charles Schultz's 100th birthday recently. And I guess Robert Smigel did this whole thing for his 75th birthday. It showed all these uh, televangelists, you know, talking about like, give us money and Jesus yep. is, you know, repent for your sins and all this terrible stuff. And you see Jesus walking up to him, shaking his head, going, no, no, no. And they keep like pushing him out and getting rid of him. And so Jesus is all sad and he goes by a television and they play that speech. And then he hmm. smiles and starts dancing. And okay. I think watching that, I figured out why that still affects me. Part of it might be our Catholic upbringing, but sure. even though everybody's like it's too over religious, it's not. It's not about this Savior's going to come and you're going to worship him forever. It's about there were three guys out at night, afraid and scared, and somebody came and said, "This is a, a, a this is a time of joy. This is a time of peace. This is a time of goodwill. This is a time to be happy. And that's why I always go back to Charlie Brown Christmas. Sure. No. And just like you said, I'm not a religious person at all. Like, I don't believe in any of that stuff. But there's something 
fantastical and just great about Charlie Brown and the whole idea of the Charlie Brown oeuvre, the universe of Charlie Brown and everything. And again, this was made 10 years before you were born. This was made in the 60s. I mean, like something like that probably couldn't be made nowadays because people would get up in arms with it and everything. But back in the 60s, this was probably a great lesson for people. And yeah, it's religious. It definitely has religious undertones, but I don't look at it in the religious, like you said, I look at it in the Christmas or the holiday season or whatever you want to call it is about hope and warmth and being with the ones you love and stuff like that. It doesn't have to be about this person who may or may not have existed that some people believe and some people don't. It's just about being kind to others and sharing that time with people that you love and stuff like that. So that yeah. that's that that would be my takeaway from that. As Grandpa Simpson says, there's the one day a year where an unwed single mother doesn't have to worry <laughs> about people judging her because of having a kid is Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I like I said it earlier in the podcast, I'll say it again. What I like from Simpson's episode I didn't mention where Bart buries all the toys after he burns mm-hmm. them down is aren't we all forgetting the true meaning of Christmas, the birth of Santa? That's right. And also Homer says in that episode when all the toys are burnt and gone, he cries, can we skip church? Which is one of my favorite lines of all time in any television show. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right, Ty. Well, if people need to bring you goodwill and peace, where are they going to yeah. find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K. More importantly, come check out my stuff. Read my stuff on the ex-millennial man. Uh, or read my stuff on Seedsing.com. S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. I wrote about a terrible dating show after you and I talked about dating shows on the podcast. And I write about sports, pop culture, all types of stuff. Check it out. Seedsing, S-E-E-D-S-I-N-G.com. Uh, you can hear me on the Chucklehead Chat Podcast. I've been on that a couple of times, and I've actually been talking to the host of that about going on after the uh, holiday season is over. So I'll probably be on an episode of that coming up soon. Most importantly, though, you can hear me on this podcast, the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast. Rate, review us, tell your friends about it. Uh, we got a good comment from my wife's uncle the other day because you replayed the uh, Thanksgiving episode that that you put up every year. He loved that. Loved hearing the story of an immigrant coming to America. So we got all kinds of cool stuff on the Ex Millennial Man podcast. And as always, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, it's so weird when I put that one up, realizing we recorded that before <laughs> Trump was president. Oh, geez. I didn't even know that's when you recorded <laughs> yeah. that. Wow. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, I've been teasing it for a while, but... Probably coming right around the holidays, we're going to do this big project. We're going to rank the 100 greatest movies of our lifetime, so 1982 and beyond. And I'm going to have a way for you guys to come over to the seed saying to vote on what those are. And then you and I, Ty, we're going to spend hours, probably months counting these down and going through all of them so it's gonna take some time but it's gonna be fun yeah i've got a lot of the website the part of the website built out so look for that here soon yeah with all that being said we thank you for your years anything else that you may use to listen to the ex-millennial man podcast remember we are here every saturday for free wherever you find your fine podcasting shows and get ready there's only a few weeks left so we're going to start going through our years in review all that other stuff because it's it's been pop culture wise especially And hell, Ty, honestly, sports-wise, the year started off essentially with the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and it's going (laughs) to end with Michigan going back to the title or the the playoff. They're playing in the Big Ten Championship. We'll see what happens after this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) We'll we'll revisit next week if something disastrous happens. They're still going to the playoff, even if Purdue wins. I know, but I would just (laughs) like them to finish the regular season undefeated personally. All right, well, talk to you next time. Take it easy.
The X Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.